0: Hi, I'm the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, and this is the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. You know, Memorial Day marks the unofficial start to summer, and that means cookouts. Grills are going to be working overtime, flipping hamburgers and hot dogs. Now, we already knew that there was a strong link between meat and cancer, but what about grilled meat in particular? As it turns out, grilled meat comes with its own specific cancer risk. I discussed that this week with Dr. Stephen Niebuhr as we learn about cancer-causing compounds that are created when that meat touches an open flame. But what are the worst meats that we can grill? Well, researchers at the Physicians Committee were able to identify the five worst that posed the greatest cancer risk. The top one might actually come as quite a big surprise. But of course, all is not lost because there are a ton of healthy vegan options out there. Registered dietitian Lee Crosby joins me with a slew of delicious ideas for a dog-free day of summer. But what I didn't know until we started rolling tape was that you could even grill up a fancy vegan dessert. Who knew you could even do dessert on a grill, let alone a vegan option? And then there is Zara Dodd. She is truly the future of medicine. Zara just recently completed an internship at the Barnard Medical Center. She's from the UK and completing her studies. And then later this summer, she's going to begin to practice outside of London. You're going to hear Zara talk about her passion and her desire to be able to speak with her own patients about the power of a plant-based diet and how it can improve their health, not just in the short term, over the course of their life. And that's critical because medical students like Zara receive little nutrition education, and that is a void that doctors carry with them throughout their career. But Zara saw this, identified the void early, and will now be able to help her patients live happier, healthier lives. Let's get started with the science. Here's Dr. Niebuhr explaining how cooking meat on the grill increases your risk of developing cancer this is the exam room podcast brought to you by the physicians committee the weight loss champion chuck carroll here with you give the show a follow if you would be so kind on the twitters at pcrm on the uh, instagrams at physicians committee and uh, shamelessly i will also plug myself at chuck carroll wlc good for both twitter and instagram one-stop shop nice Summer, right around the corner, Memorial Day, the unofficial start to the summer season, and of course that means a lot of people are going to be breaking out the grills, doing some grilling and chilling, and the former me would definitely throw some burgers on there, some chicken on there, but I'd like to think that I'm a little bit older and wiser. And to confirm that my IQ has risen just a little bit, I want to welcome back to the show Dr. Steve Niebuhr from the Barnard Medical Center. Hello, Dr. Niebuhr.
1: Hello, Chuck. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Fantastic.
0: You know, are, are, you, a, are you a grill guy growing up? Were you a grill guy, my, I should say? My,
1: my parents did a, a fair amount of grilling. I don't think I was ever allowed to touch the grill. No? No. Just and not right? just because it was hot. I mean, like, you know.
0: Just no good at cooking?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you flip over the burger, I guess. Yeah. Of course there's you more do. to it than that i there, think
0: but I, I don't care what you put on the grill you're gonna flip it over
1: you pretty much have to flip everything yeah but there's a there's a technique to it you don't want to flip it too soon or too late right that oh absolutely because you lose the juices or something That's i guess right.
0: and, and, and you have to attack it from the side you can't go straight on yeah see? you got you got to come at it you know, at about a forty-five degree angle, come in, swoop under, and this is good for whatever you put on the grill. By the way, okay. you swoop under, get it right up there on the spatula, get yourself a nice flip.
1: You know, I can tell you, not to brag, but I'm pretty good at grilling pancakes.
0: Are,
1: what, what? You know, on the on the, it's technically a griddle, right? Right. But it's still, it's kind of the same thing.
0: Huh. Okay. I'm
1: just – like I like to make pancakes. All
0: right. You're a pancake guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Dr. <laughs> Niebuhr's a pancake guy, which absolutely has nothing to do with what it is that we're talking about today. It's uh,
1: close. It's, you know. Pancakes and grilled meat? I, I just think the grilling – you know, you're, you're putting something on a hot surface.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we just add <laughs> boiling water on the stove to that?
1: All right. And and that's a cut, right? We're done? Is yeah. It, I don't even know. I'm giving, the, I'm giving the timeout sign. I don't know what the cut –
0: No, 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 there's no cutting. We're just (laughs) going to keep rolling here. Shenanigans are plenty. Um, But in all seriousness, man, there is a a real link between grilled meats and increased risk of cancer. And this is something that uh, a lot of people are still unfamiliar with, despite the fact that the World Health Organization has spoken out about it, um, despite the fact that you hear more and more about it. At least in theory, yeah. um, you know, on the internet and from organizations like the Physicians Committee. So, what we're trying to do is just bring a little bit more awareness to it. So, yeah. I, I guess, like, let's let's start with the broad strokes, man. I mean, the open-ended question: What is that link? What causes that cancer connection?
1: Wow, that that is a very broad question. There's, it is. There's...
0: We're going to dial it in. Don't worry.
1: There's there's a lot to it. the The link, as per the World Health Organization, really has a lot to do with the, the compounds that are made when you actually grill the meat. Okay. So when you expose meat to very high temperatures and open flames, you get compounds that are actually made in the meat, which you then presumably ingest. And those compounds in your body are what lead to cancer or can lead to cancer. So these things, they have big, long names. There's heterocyclic amines or HCA's. Mm-hmm then there's polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. just rolls off the tongue. It sure does. Right? Uh, And both of those things are are what are called mutagens. Okay. So I'm not talking about like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) But uh, mutagen means it it can cause DNA damage. Hmm. And so that doesn't mean that it causes cancer, but DNA damage then can mean that that cell can no longer reproduce normally. Interesting. So sometimes your body can take care of it and get rid of it. but sometimes we think of it like making a copy of a copy of a copy and down the line that copy quality is no longer as good as the original quality. Sure. And sometimes something can go wrong. So when the DNA needs to replicate, reproduce itself to make a new cell, if there's a if there's an error making a copy of the copy, sometimes you can actually end up with copies that just go out of control. So now to use that same analogy, it'd be like the copier getting stuck in the on position, just making millions and millions and millions of copies. And when that happens in your cells, that's basically cancer. That's uncontrolled growth. So. Interesting. So that's how that mutation in the DNA can then, at times, lead to cancer.
0: Now, is this uh, specific to? Well, obviously, it is specific to grilled meat. Um, is this kind of along the same lines danger level from a doctor's opinion as processed meats, which we also know uh, have a strong link to cancer?
1: Yeah, they're, they're pretty similar. Yeah. The, the, so the the processing of the meat can be can cause these chemicals to be made also. So right. they can be exposed to higher temperatures. Um, they can be Certain chemicals can be added to the meat, which can then make these, uh, make the cancer have. Sorry, make the meat have increasing cancer-producing abilities. Let's say, or increased ability to mutate the DNA in your cells.
0: Do you know specifically what types of cancer we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, they they found that the cancer is most common in your GI tract. Actually, so you know, it's follow the path of the meat, starting in the mouth, going down the throat. So throat cancer going into the stomach, stomach cancer, going through the intestines, so colon cancer, rectal cancer, um, and then even ones like prostate cancer and breast cancer.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So it kind of runs the whole gamut there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They've even found links to blood cancers like lymphomas and leukemias. Um,
0: th- well, that's, that's interesting because, I, I, I mean, technically, isn't all cancer going to wind up in the blood at some point or another just because that's how the cells travel?
1: Yeah, it depends. So, if the cancer's spreading, so if you have um, metastasized cancer, then uh, with certain cancers, they'll spread through the blood. Some cancers spread just by touching other things. Mm-hmm. So, you can see sometimes the you know the organs in your abdomen. You can see cancer spreading, let's say from the pancreas to the stomach or something like that, where those two organs are, are pretty close to each other. So, it doesn't necessarily have to go through the blood. But when we say blood cancer, we really mean cancers that are originating with those cells that make blood cells, so the stem cells for the blood, which are usually found in the bone marrow.
0: I want to go back to the HCAs and the PHAs. Um, let me, correct me if I'm, I'm okay. saying these incorrectly. Go for it. Heterocyclic amines. Yes. And polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Yes. Yeah, look at you me. You got it. You yeah. got it. You're
1: ready to be an organic chemist.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, what What is the difference between the two there,
1: really? Oh. So glad you asked that question. I know you are. So they, it it has to do with the structure. All right. Mm-hmm. So both of these both of these substances have kind of a ring in their structure. So I'm not sure how much chemistry you've had in your life, but if you think of um, let's say a, a molecule of alcohol, okay, or ethanol, right? There's two carbons. They're kind of right next to each other. There's no ring there. But these substances here – I'm just using the alcohol as an example because it's a common substance that people know. Sure. But these substances have an actual ring in their structure. And what differenti- differentiates the two of them is what makes up the ring. Okay. So the the poly uh, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons – let's go. say PAHs from now y- on yes. – um, have – have carbon in the ring they're made up entirely of carbon in the ring or at least the primary ring whereas the 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 other one the hca the heterocyclic amines um they have an uh atom of nitrogen in the ring actually and Hmm. so it's basically what makes up the ring that is the difference between the two Um, and i found it interesting actually that smoking a cigarette can produce some of these substances as well really
0: yeah see well now see now that that just kind of ties it together for everybody yeah. if you're equating
1: smoking to grilled meat that's that's gonna open some eyes there. yeah this is that's the i think that's one of the key ideas to keep in mind as the link between those two so people always say well oh is eating meat as bad as smoking right. we're, we're not saying it's as bad but there's overlap there's right. similarities between the two
0: Um, So here's uh, the question. I know that the Physicians Committee back, I guess, a little bit more than a decade ago, ran a pretty comprehensive study about this. Mm -hmm. And they came up with a list of the worst foods that you can put on a grill. Apparently, Mm -hmm. some meats are worse than others um, when it comes to firing up the grill. Um, As a matter of fact, I'm looking at the top, and it seems like we have one that's far and away the leader. And, uh, spoiler alert, you would think it's the healthiest. Right,
1: right. You,
0: you, Go ahead. You're going to reveal
1: it. You want me to reveal it? So, Go ahead. So they there. found chicken breast, actually. Skinless, boneless chicken breast mm-hmm. um, is, is actually the worst out of this list here. Um, I, I don't know exactly why it's the worst, so I can't say for sure why. Um, but a lot of times it has to do with how much muscle is in there. So if there's more muscle tissue compared with fat in the chicken breast, hmm. maybe that's it. I'm just taking a guess. That's I, don't, a, I don't know that. that's that's a good stab but the, the creatine that's in the muscle so creatine is a, it's a protein in our muscle that helps with muscle contraction and it's actually been found to increase your increase the production of these HCAs and uh, PHAs
0: right. I remember in high school playing football, uh, one of the supplements the coach really pushed on us was creatine. Yeah. 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 It was big on that, man. Yeah, and
1: I remember even like Mark McGuire uh, back in the day, they said he was taking creatine supplements and all this. Well, it was a little bit more Uh, than creatine. I I know a little bit more, but that was one of the ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's so interesting. I mean, just looking at these levels, though, and we're going to put this up on pcrm.org slash podcast for you so you can take a look at this yourself. I mean- so you've got chicken at the top followed by steak, but chicken has 14,000 nanograms of HCAs per 100 grams of, of meat. Steak, only 810. Yeah. That's a huge, huge difference. Yeah,
1: that's quite a bit less. And, and you're right. It really is surprising because whenever, whenever I have people in the office that, that tell me, oh, I'm eating better, I'm eating healthier, and you say, what are you doing? Often they'll say, well, I'm eating more chicken. Right Not eating as much red right. meat um, and it depends on how it's cooked we said that at the beginning you know mm-hmm. um, we're talking mainly about grilling meat sure and so if you're grilling the chicken on a barbecue or on a grill you're, you're increasing the rate at which these chemicals are produced um, and part of that is the heat actually the higher the heat the more of these chemicals you're gonna make and the more kind of complex complicated chemicals you're gonna make right and
0: let's also not forget that you know chicken, Again, has the rap of being healthier, but yeah. pound for pound it's got roughly the same amount of cholesterol and, and fat as beef does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's got this kind of halo around it where you think, Oh, it's chicken, it's good for me, but um, it's really not necessarily that much better for you, or maybe I should say not necessarily much less worse. For you,
0: Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of going back to like, why is it that a chicken breast would be at the top? And you say, well, maybe because it's more muscle. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, if you throw a steak on there, or even dark meat, yeah. it's going to come with more fat. Yeah. And the fat, if you put it on the grill, that's going to burn off. Ergo, you're going to have less muscle left over, less muscle tissue. I mean, wait, when the fat burns off? When the fat burns off. No, more. Well, well, hear me out, right? (laughs) right, right. You have eight ounces of skinless, boneless (laughs) chicken breast, right? You have eight ounces of steak. Okay. Eight ounces of steak, say, two to three ounces of that is fat. If that burns off, you're still only left with, what, six, five or six ounces of of meat. So, I mean, that's just a hypothesis. We don't even know if that's a correct guess to begin with.
1: True, true. But I'll tell you also that when you burn off the fat the vapors from burning the fat contain these chemicals oh my god you can't so, win sorry man you know so even breathing in the the fumes from the fire or from the from the fire and from the barbecue uh, can lead to cancer
0: and that's what you were saying because you bike to and from work yeah. and you're saying especially this time of year oh yeah you you can't bike home without smelling
1: right it. yeah I, I don't think it's happened yet and it's you know it's only may that's um, interesting pretty much every ride because i leave here usually between six and seven at night um and that's prime barbecue time i think right sure, so sure. uh and i go through neighborhoods and just yeah i smell those barbecues every every night
0: you equate that to secondhand cigarette smoke
1: yeah, I mean, probably not as bad, um, again, if we're comparing apples to apples, but we're not exactly doing that. We're just saying that anything that you're breathing in that's coming from this grilling process, yeah. if you're grilling meat, can increase your risk of, of cancer.
0: So here's the question, and we're going to have Lee Crosby, uh, registered dietitian, uh, come back on the show here in just a little bit and talk about uh, alternatives to grilling meat if you still want to fire up the barbecue. Um, I think it's it's an important question to ask, then. It, what happens with plant-based foods on the mm. grill? Are we running into some of these same issues?
1: That's a that's a fantastic question. And, well, thank you. And the, the answer is no, we're not, actually, because you're not grilling muscle. Right? Oh. Right? Plants don't really have muscle, I don't think. To the best of my knowledge, right? no, they don't. Maybe in the movies, some of the, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, so they don't have that creatine that's in there, um, and they don't have the same... Really, the same setup of protein or amino acids, um, which is really where these things come from. It's right. it's when you're really cooking those proteins, like the creatine, um, and you're you're basically just cooking that muscle. That's what turns these chemicals into carcinogens.
0: And let's not forget that typically a plant-based diet is going to lower your risk of cancer overall. Yeah, absolutely. That's... And
1: and they have studied it. I mean, they haven't found anywhere near the level of these uh, cancer-causing chemicals. In plant-based foods or plant foods when they're grilled, right? Um, I think the exact wording from the uh, from the NIH or I forget what website we were looking at there, but was it was not found in significant amounts, right? I, I-
0: I mean, that, that to me is just fascinating. And I will say, and, and again, we're going to have uh, Lee on the show here in just a little bit. Um, I love some grilled corn. Yeah. I love some grilled red peppers. Just kind of keep it simple. You yeah. throw that on there. Uh, I know you're not an eggplant guy, but that's that's kind of beefy. It's kind of meaty. That's, <laughs> well, a, that's a good thing to grill.
1: Well, you know what, Chuck? I know you're not a watermelon guy. Definitely and not. And I, I have this watermelon sitting in front of me here, at least a little, I don't the, the know, the watermelon doll. Watermelon doll. Watermelon, yeah. watermelon doll. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. But people grill watermelon. I've never what? had grilled watermelon, but I know people do it. How? What, no. How? I don't know. People. Maybe somebody can write in on our, on our Twitter or something and yeah, tell us about
0: that. At PCRM. Yeah. At Chuck Carroll WLC. What's yours?
1: I don't have. No. Nah, he. I'm yeah, gonna one that. day. One you, day. You need
0: to just so you can interact with the listeners. I don't really do that how, how
1: does one grill watermelon? I, 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 I think you just literally slice it and put it on the grill. I, I've never experienced it, but I've heard people talk about it. That's weird,
0: I, to me. Personally. It may taste delicious. I might enjoy watermelon. Maybe. If it's been grilled. I don't know. Maybe we should try it. I think we should. Uh, but you don't enjoy
1: watermelon? I, I just... don't.
0: I know. But I, don't I never really, have. I don't really
1: enjoy eggplant. No. I don't know. We're, I'm not, yeah. we're weird
0: like that, I guess. Yeah. I don't like onions either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, Dr. niebuhr, thank you very much. Sure. As always, super educational. Thank um, you. I like you, man. You know the thing that I really enjoy <laughs> about having you on is like – So you you are always able to bring the science and use these big terms, you know. But you also have this way of explaining it so that everyone understands. That is a skill that not every
1: doctor has. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, so do your patients. Believe uh, you me. I try to explain things. I used to explain things to my grandmother. Uh, I try to explain things to my parents or you know everybody else. I think if you don't really if you don't really get that person to understand what you're talking about it's kind of pointless like what you know i can tell you all about your how your body works but if you don't understand it i might as well be speaking a foreign language Mm, touche right yeah and i know i always think of the uh the quote that's attributed to einstein which i don't know if he actually said this or not but this is what i've read uh you don't really understand something until you can explain it to your mother (laughs) you know
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't know that he said that either, man. I
1: don't know, but I've read that. It, yeah. So it must be true. You yeah, know? absolutely. If you if saw it on the internet, yeah, yeah it's online, absolutely. it must be true. Absolutely, but it's a good point nonetheless. No doubt. You gonna fire up the grill this summer? I don't even own a grill. Yeah. All right. You're calling me out. Yeah. I do. Stop by your place. But you got a griddle. I have a griddle for the pancakes. Mm, yeah. 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 But that goes on the stove. You know. I know. You know how the griddles work. I, I'm I'm familiar. It's not a plug-in-the-wall griddle. It's a it's an actual stove griddle. You got a you got a legit one. I remember
0: going camping as a child and and taking the griddle out with us and then building yeah. the campfire in the morning and having pancakes that way. Okay, that was good.
1: We should do that, too.
0: I think so. All right. We'll just go out on Wisconsin Avenue, build a little (laughs) fire. You bring your griddle.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got the field in the back of the office here. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? And we
0: got the grocery store downstairs so we can get the material. There we go. You know?
1: Plan's coming together.
0: Dude, I love it when a
1: plan comes Ah, together. Me too. team.
0: Dr. Nibor, thank you very much. Stick around. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. You're continuing to listen to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. The weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, still here with you. Thanks for taking a ride with us this week. The show on Twitter at PCRM. The Physicians Committee also on Facebook. Go and give it a like if you will. If you want to study up on nutrition, animal welfare, we've got all sorts of good things on there for you. We're doing for a first time something really, I think, is unique and interesting with our guest. One of the things that we do at the Physicians Committee and upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center is welcome medical students to do a clinical rotation with us, and often they come from overseas. And so with that, I thought it would be phenomenal to welcome Zara Dodd to the show, and she has come all the way from London.
2: Yeah. Hello. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Welcome to the show. Thank
2: you very much for having me.
0: It is absolutely my pleasure and let me tell you something you made my day I didn't meet you until about 10 minutes ago (laughs) but you made my day uh, unbeknownst to you a few days ago when uh, another colleague here came into the office and said hey you know we have this intern she's working upstairs her final day is coming up and She's a big fan of the show. Mm -hmm. She's like, go up and and talk to her. I was like, okay. So I go up and and I try to find you that day. You weren't there. But then I was like – I need to get Zara on the podcast because there are so many questions I want to ask you about the difference between nutrition education here in the States versus Mm -hmm. what you're getting in the UK and, uh, of course, the royal wedding, you know, (laughs) so many things that that we we need to discuss. So I appreciate you taking the time.
2: No, not at all. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh,
0: let's, Let's start with that nutrition education. One of the things that we try to promote here at the Physicians Committee is really trying to increase the amount of nutrition knowledge, as I like to call it, that medical students get before uh, they finish up in school. Yeah. In the U.S., I mean, we're talking like just minimal at best, maybe one course or something like that. Is it any different in over in the U.K.?
2: I don't think so. Um, I think that I was so when you you mentioned about wanting to talk about nutritional education, Mm -hmm. um, so I went back over my curriculum and I tried to think, you know, actually where we taught more about nutrition and I just don't remember. Um, But I went through five years worth of of briefly five years worth of lectures, um, and I only found so in our first year we learnt about micronutrients, so vitamins and their deficiencies, so really common things like osteomalacia and and, uh, thiamine deficiency. And then we learnt, I think in our third year, we had a bit of a public health module. So we learnt a bit more about uh, carbohydrates and protein and fat and the standard British diet. But it was just very factual and nothing that gave us sort of any guidance as to how we as future doctors should talk to our patients about nutrition um, and, and what sort of the ideal diet that patients should be on. Um, nothing was sort of detailed, so it's very vague information that we were given, and it's no wonder that we take it in, and then it sort of goes in one ear and out the other. Right. Um, and then we, we, as when we qualify as doctors, we just feel totally uh, incompetent in terms of speaking to patients about what diet would be best for them and how to be physically active. Even um, it's, it's very. It's not taught very well.
0: Real quick, we've talked uh, ad nauseum on this show about the standard American diet, but mm-hmm. you just said the standard British diet. Yeah. How
2: do they compare? I think they are similar in some ways. So obviously, we still have a lot of processed food. Um, we, I think the sort of typical British things like fish and chips and and. We have this thing called bangers and mash. So I don't know if you've heard of it. I've heard of it. I
0: could not tell you what that is. Yeah,
2: it's basically sausages and mash. Okay. So that's a really mash being mashed potatoes. Yeah, mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So a lot of like very heavy carbohydrate and foods, and a lot of meat. So steaks and venison things like that. and, and we love our, our, our biscuits and our desserts and um, we have like really famous confectionaries so um, we have these things called like Quality Streets which are these like little chocolates um, that it's funny because they're they're almost like part of my childhood like they're advertised as being for like at Christmas time or Easter time you just give them to people um, so yeah it's, it's similar in that sense but I think the difference and what I've noticed actually since being here in the US is that um, one good thing is that our portions are, or, yeah, our portions are a lot smaller compared right. to the U.S. So right. uh, I think a large in the U.K. is maybe the equivalent of a small in the U.S. Yeah. So in some ways we are restricted through our portions but but then again we still have really high rates of obesity and heart disease and type 2 diabetes so maybe it doesn't make that much difference.
0: Is it as high as it is here in the U.S.? Uh, two-thirds of the mm-hmm. population here are either overweight or mm-hmm. obese. Do the rates compare over in the uk similarly
2: i'm not entirely sure i i think it's a growing problem it's Mm -hmm. definitely um i know in general i think the nhs spends about so so the nhs being the national health healthcare system in the Mm uk um spends about sort of like eight billion pounds on lifestyle related diseases so that includes ischemic heart disease and type 2 diabetes Mm -hmm. um so it's definitely a huge burden on our healthcare system um, and I, I think the prevalence is growing um, but yeah I'm not sure in terms of sort of like comparing it to the U, to the US what I mean you have like more people here but um yeah so I'm not entirely sure on the figures there yeah.
0: Before we move on you mentioned the the British healthcare system there and I it's. It sounds like universal healthcare. Is is that correct? Can you briefly summarize that for mm-hmm.
2: us? Yeah. So in the UK, we we have the national healthcare system that um, is essentially um, free at the point of access, and it's free to to anyone, um, any citizen of the of the United Kingdom. So we. It's funded through taxes, so every every person pays taxes, um, and a portion of that will go towards um, the NHS. Um, so, any if you have any problems, if you you know you have the flu, or even if it's something you know like more serious that you have a heart attack, when you go to see your GP, um, so your equivalent of a family practitioner, or you go to the whole, the emergency room, you'll receive care straight away. Uh, you won't be given a bill at the end, um, and it's sort of it's it's free in general, right? Um, but if, if, over your lifetime, you'll obviously contribute through through your taxes.
0: Sure, Zara Dot is the guest here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, doing her clinical rotation up in the Barnard Medical Center. Um, I want to ask you because we were talking about nutrition education and it's lacking, and you come to a place that kind of specializes in that. What what drew you to the BMC?
2: So um, it's a bit of a long-winded story, but I, so I turned plant-based about a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. and that was for for health reasons, Um, and then in doing so I started obviously reading around, reading the literature, Um, so I got very interested in plant-based nutrition, um, and I knew. in my final year in medical school we have what is called an elective so we get to go abroad anywhere in the world for six weeks and see medicine in a different context so I thought that would be a perfect opportunity to go somewhere um where or go to sort of shadow some doctors who are plant-based physicians mm-hmm. um and I actually um contacted Dr. Michelle McMacken uh, just the She's an internal physician in uh, NYU because um, I follow her on Instagram. Right. So um, I, I actually DM'd her <laughs> and I asked if she if she could take me on. Could I shadow her for my elective? Um, and she was so kind, so lovely. She replied straight away. And unfortunately, she, she's not allowed to have students because she works for the university. But right. she actually said, oh, what about PCRM? I know they have students all the time. Why don't you get in contact with them um, and, and, and see what happens? So. I think I, I had heard of Dr. Barnard and his work beforehand, but um, because of her recommendation, I then got in contact and actually it worked out perfectly. I was able to come here and um, organize everything very easily, um, and it's been amazing.
0: Yeah, talk to me a little bit about that experience. Mm-hmm. When you walk in day one, what were your expectations? And uh, the bigger question is, were they exceeded?
2: Uh, most definitely. Were. <laughs> um, so, my expectations before I came, I. Really, I was just wanting to soak up as much knowledge as possible because although I'd read some things, I don't think I was confident enough in talking to patients um, and other doctors about plant-based nutrition. Um, so I was coming in with a sort of a very um, like a sort of sponge mindset. I mm-hmm. just wanted to just soak everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so interesting to me when I first arrived that um, when I when you come into the Barnard Medical Center. They have a bowl of fruit in the waiting room. Know it well, and I like just this—that small, small thing is it makes such a huge difference because, like, it's immediately encouraging people to to make better options and to you know be more health conscious. Um, we would never see something like that in in a GP surgery in in the UK, um, and then they have amazing literature. So they have like the power plate um, poster everywhere. Um, which is obviously what's encouraged here at the BMC. Um, And then also what was interesting is the length of uh, the consultation time that the physicians can spend with their patients. So especially if they're a new patient, um, they schedule an hour, which is like, it honestly blew my mind because in the UK, um, even for new patients, we only have 10 minutes to see them. Right. 10 minutes and like, four of those minutes of them coming in and taking off their coat and, you know, talking about the weather. So um, it's, it just is insane that they have so much time. It's great though, because I really um, observed how, how much you, you need all that time. You really mm-hmm. need it to, to have a detailed discussion about um, patients, you know, intrinsic motivation for wanting to change and then to really explain the power plate and plant-based nutrition in a holistic sure. way
0: sure. Uh, we we do have uh, those time constraints here in the U.S., especially for those who are on uh, Medicare uh, mm-hmm. and Medicaid. I believe they, they get a 15-minute consultation, and that's it. And I, mm-hmm. I know speaking specifically about um, some family members, um, the doctor, even if they're not quite finished with their appointment, mm-hmm. is like, he's just looking at his watch, and as soon as oh, 15 no. minutes comes, like, he's like, I got to stop by, yeah. by law. I need to stop. And he will just he walk out and that's that's pretty much I it dare. like to me that's and this is just me on my personal mm-hmm. soapbox i can't speak for anyone else here i i can't stand that y- yeah. you go to a doctor because you're not feeling well you go to get healed and for a doctor to turn their back on you i Ooh. just it, it breaks my heart
2: yeah sort of a similar thing actually does happen in the uk they If you have 10 minutes per patient and you have, you know, like 14 appointments in the morning, you sometimes, as the doctor, you have to actually say to the patient, I'm really, really sorry, but um, I have to see my next patient now. And um, it's really tough because you're dealing with a lot of patients who have complex, multiple, you know, comorbidities. um, So, like, lots of different problems. And how can you even begin to address Mm -hmm. that in 10 minutes or Mm -hmm. less than 10 minutes? So, yeah, it's... uh, it's a difficult situation.
0: Well, let's get a little more sunny here, Sarah. <laughs> okay. um, I wanna, I wanna ask you. So you're, you're talking about patients with a lot of comorbidities, um, but then obviously the physicians upstairs work very carefully to help encourage them to adopt that plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. Um, Since you've been here, have you seen some light bulbs go off in in their minds and just say, wow, you know, this is, you know, eating a whole food plant-based diet is so much better than having to take 20 pills a day?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the Uh, most common motivations that people came, patients came to see uh, the physicians at the Barnard Medical Center was so they could stop taking medication. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we were able to see, you know, some of them are on like 15 different types of medication. Like it's just, um, it seems unmanageable to me. Um, So they, they are really motivated to want to adopt any form of a lifestyle change that can help them you know stop taking their statins and their blood pressure medication um but there was a really interesting patient that I saw the other day she um was referred by a friend um who was a patient at the BMC and um she was very overweight um and pre-diabetic and she really, but she really wanted to make a change. She was sort of fed up with her situation. So um, I saw her with Dr. Stephen Niebuhr and he um, was talking to her about the power plate. And it was just really funny because her reaction was, um, she was very shocked at first when he was talking about, you know, no meat and no dairy. And she's like, Oh, God, but I love, I love <laughs> eggs and I love cheese. Um, but it, it was amazing just to, like, kind of see the transition because, as Dr. Newell was explaining, um, but, you know, with the with a plant-based diet, we're not telling you to restrict calories. We're just telling you to eat better foods. Right. So anything from the power plate is, is free range that like you can – you can. He, he was saying, for example, uh, no one's come back and told me that they put on weight eating 50 apples every day. Sure. Like, you know, you can't really put on weight if you're eating, you know, whole foods, plant, you know, uh, low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. Um, so she, as he sort of was convincing her more and more of that and, and talking about, you know, the harmful effects of, of dairy and um, especially using, like, oils and things in your cooking um, and, and saying, like, you will definitely see some changes if you mm-hmm. fully adopt this diet. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe I'll give it a go. Yeah. And uh, she was going to start the 21-day vegan kickstart. Um, so, yeah, it was... It was funny just to watch her go through sort of a range of emotions and eventually come around to the idea.
0: I love that. (laughs) And I I love talking with people who have already made that transition Mm -hmm. and the way that they come back and they're like, it doesn't take the full 21 days Mm -hmm. for me to feel better. Yeah they start to feel better like almost immediately by day three they a lot of them report feeling like a new person Mm -hmm. already Mm -hmm. and that's energy exactly yeah Yeah. and it's not long before they're able to um, stop taking those medications i just think that that's wonderful so um before we wrap up i want to ask you a couple more questions Mm -hmm. now um you are just about finished with school correct that's right um and you have already a job lined up is that correct I do.
2: yeah in august
0: all right so Tell me a little bit about where you're going.
2: So uh, I'm going to a place called Hereford, which um, is a small sort of little town um, about an hour or so away from Cardiff in Wales.
0: Right. Can you can you um, spell that real quick, just in case people want to pull that up on Google Maps?
2: H-E-R-E-F-O-R-D. Um, H-E-R-E-F-O-R-D. There
0: you go. Yeah. Look that up, Google Maps. So that's where you're going. <laughs> that's
2: where I'm going. Um, so I'm going to be starting what we call foundation training, which I think is the equivalent of residency training here in the U.S. Um, and I'll be... Uh, it's it's actually i was initially not happy with where i was going but then i came around to the idea because actually the rotations that i've been assigned to are like perfect for mm-hmm. um so i want to go into into family practice and and sort of preventative medicine lifestyle medicine and i'm going to be doing essentially Everything that would be relevant to that, so cardiology, geriatric medicine, pediatrics, emergency medicine, um, and general practice. I get a, a four-month rotation in that. Um, so I'm really, ha- really, really excited actually to to go and experience all of that and um, see what impact I can make with this newfound knowledge that I have from from my rotation here.
0: I think that being outside of the big city, being mm-hmm. an hour away, being in that smaller community, I, I would think that as a physician, that would be more rewarding like i would think that for whatever reason there would just be more gratitude from the patients and you would have the opportunity to build a closer bond with them
2: i think so actually yeah the more i the more i think about it the more grateful i actually am is it's um it'll be a totally new experience for me because i've been so used to very big university hospitals where Mm -hmm. there are so many doctors um so you know being in a smaller environment where there aren't so many doctors you probably will get a lot more responsibility and more clinical um, like exposure Um, and definitely I'm sure being in a small town I'll get to know more of the the people that live there and um, I mean patients in general everywhere in every hospital I've been to even as a student they're always very grateful for for any help and any care that you give them Um, so that's a universal thing but yeah I think just in terms of um, the skills I'll gain as, as as a new doctor I think being in a smaller environment will will help me to to gain those much quicker.
0: There's a quirky little movie that I'm going to suggest that you watch. It's oh, yeah. kind of old, uh, probably twenty some odd years old now. Um, mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox stars in it. You you know him, the actor?
2: Not back to the, it's Back to the Future. Yes. that's <laughs> Marty McFly.
0: Very yeah. good. Um, so he's the star. the The movie is called doc hollywood and so the premise is he's a big time physician out in los angeles Mm -hmm. um, is moving across country to take a job in another big city that's super high paying and Mm -hmm. you know it's just one of those really coveted jobs car breaks down in this very small town there's one physician there uh, who's old Really, kind of needs to step aside, mm-hmm. um, and he just kind of reluctantly at first starts practicing there, and then mm-hmm. just comes to embrace it. And so, oh, when you tell okay. that story, like yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking.
2: Right. It's completely
0: <laughs> different doctors here, but I'm saying you might yeah. you might get a kick out of that.
2: I'll try, and yeah, is it on Netflix? I, don't know, I, don't
0: yeah. know. I mean when i saw it it was still on vhs
2: oh i see i mean,
0: okay yeah i think i have a couple of years on you um <laughs>
2: just a few <laughs> yeah just a few i'm
0: getting old man they're finding gray hairs on me i'm 35 i'll be 36 That's in a so couple young. of months no it's it's really not because when you think about it it will be i mean i'm not that far away from my 20th high school reunion and to me oh, zara wow. that is just unacceptable <laughs> it's just unacceptable
2: no isn't like 30 the new 20 or something is not that what they say
0: if that's the case, I'm at 25 because yeah. I'm well past 30. Man, yeah. I'm pushing 40 now. Like, I'm <laughs> an adult. I've got a ring on my finger, you know? Come on. Yeah. So what is the big takeaway? Let's get serious again mm-hmm. real quick before you go. Uh, what is the big takeaway from this experience, and how are you going to put what you learned into practice?
2: That's a big question. I think um – the biggest takeaway for me is to just keep reading and there is so much um, uh, literature that's out there at the moment and more evidence that's coming out to support uh, plant-based diets for not just treating but reversing things like type 2 diabetes and heart disease um, so as a as a future doctor um, and a future clinician I really want to be very well read um, and what I've really gained actually from being here at the Barnard Medical Center is Um, how to communicate with patients because it's one thing you know reading literature and um, you know being able to talk to doctors about p-values and you know different study designs but communicating the the sort of simplified version of of, you know and practical information actually to to patients because I think that's what's most confusing is um, you can tell them it's really great for your health and there's this study and this study but actually day-to-day what should they be doing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, So to be able to, and I've definitely gained that knowledge not just by sitting with the physicians, but with the dieticians that are Mm -hmm. here, and they're absolutely amazing. Um, I've really learned practical advice um, and specific practical advice that I will be able to give to patients and say, okay, for example, that if there are patients who... um, you know might find it very difficult to go completely plant-based like so for me i went plant-based overnight yeah and it was really easy i didn't didn't find that difficult but some people find it very difficult so um i know one of the approaches is to just say things like okay well start with breakfast what can you do about breakfast what can you change how can you make that more plant-based um and and sort of work your way up sort of incrementally um trying to get patients there slowly i think that's a really really great approach that I'll hopefully take back with me and try and try and encourage the UK patients to, to adopt.
0: I think that that's phenomenal. Uh, the world needs uh, certainly Um, more people like you, um, especially (laughs) young minds who are going to be practicing uh, medicine for many Mm -hmm. years into the future. And the fact that you are starting out um, being a plant-based physician and knowing, acquiring a lot of this knowledge about nutrition, I just think that that's that's just phenomenal. So my hat is truly, truly off to you. Thank
2: you. There are lots of us, actually. I think it's a growing community, so it's very exciting Mm -hmm. to be part of it. But you're
0: here now, (laughs) so you get all the credit now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. here's what i want to do with you Mm -hmm. um i would love to keep in touch because i think that your story is amazing i think that what you've done here is amazing and i am just so optimistic about your future um so i know that you're going back um but there is a thing called skype and so what i would love to do is to skype with you every so often just to check to see how that rotation is going how um your discussions with the patients are going as far as um Introducing them to yes. plant-based dieting, yeah, um, and I just I think that would be fascinating.
2: Definitely, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of ideas and things coming up. Actually, I'll be talking to some doctors back in the UK, in uh, some GPs who um, they're already incorporating a bit of lifestyle changes into their practice. Um, so they really want to know about what I learned here at the Physicians Committee and. So I'll be speaking to them, and then um, I have a rotation in cardiology coming up. So I'm like, this is prime opportunity to promote plant-based diets and try and convince some cardiologists that the data is there. There's a huge evidence base for it. So
0: get it done. Yeah, I love the plan. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So we will definitely stay in in touch. Um, You're starting in August, is that correct? Yeah,
2: first of August. Okay,
0: so we'll check in with you in the fall at some point, just to see how things are progressing. Okay.
2: Yeah, that sounds
0: perfect. Zara, thank you so much for for coming on the show. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here with you. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or grab it from Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you happen to get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe to this. Lots of good information each and every week. Uh, and real quick before we keep going, uh, thank you again to Zara Dodd, a future doctor over in the UK, just wrapped up her internship at the Barnard Medical Center. I am so Excited to hear how she starts to implement what it was that she learned here uh, with her practice over there. Specifically, how she introduces her patients to plant-based dieting and the health benefits that come with it. I think that that's fantastic. I'm all about preventative medicine through nutrition. And it's super critically important that we have young doctors, medical students, who begin to learn about this so that they have then a lifelong practice of informing their patients of how to keep it happy and healthy and stay off of a lot of unnecessary medications. Just take care of yourself. But we continue talking about the grilled meat, the link uh, with cancer. You know, the unofficial start to summer with this being Memorial Day weekend. And so if you're not putting burgers on the grill, if you're not putting hot dogs on the grill, if you're not barbecuing chicken, well, then what in the world do you put on the grill? To help answer that question, we have brought back one of my favorite guests is registered dietitian Lee Crosby from upstairs at the BMC. Hello, Lee. Hello, Chuck. You do you do a lot of research. I you do. Know, when yeah. when you come to the show, you come heavy with you know a packet of notes.
3: <laughs> I always do. It's how I cope with life. I research. Yeah, pretty much.
0: But here's the thing. In all seriousness, what I find is that you care genuinely about oh, this stuff. Absolutely. And that just shines through.
3: Oh, I hope so. And I'm glad to hear that. Thank you.
0: The listeners are happy to hear that too, believe you me, because they're about to get hit with some knowledge. Yeah,
3: they are. So, tasty, tasty knowledge. Let,
0: I mean, let's, let's start with the top. I mean, hot dogs. That's a big one in the summer for ball right. games, for picnics. I know
3: it. It if kind you, of breaks my heart a little bit. I
0: know that there are yeah. veggie dogs, but like, how, how do you get around the whole traditional hot dog
3: thing? Well, just by, ha- by asking for it and having it there for one thing. I will say my little neighborhood picnic, I went this time, and there are a couple of other vegans in the neighborhood. Oh, really? And no? so now at the barbecue for th- my neighborhood, there was a whole separate little you know tray for the tofu dogs, and it was empty. Really? Still lots of hot dogs sitting in there, but the tofu dog's gone. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing how just bringing it with you or asking if someone can have it there – can really start to get people curious to also start trying it too.
0: I, well, I think that that's just it. I think that there is that curiosity mm-hmm. level uh, among non-vegans who are like,
3: mm, "Yeah, what's food, that about? Let,
0: let, me, let me just see what, what <laughs> what's going on here." Yep, yep. Um, so that that works out pretty well. But I understand that it doesn't just have to be that that hot dog with the mustard and the ketchup. Like you can really gourmet these things.
3: Oh up. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't just have to, you know, you can do the standard, you can do the relish and the mustard, but you can do whatever you want. You can do some chutney, you could go, you could go sort of Tex-Mex style and do like a little bit of avocado and salsa, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, with chili specifically, I know that there are a few brands oh. that you've identified. That...
3: Yeah. So chili dogs are one of life's great pleasures. And just because <laughs> you're plant-based does not mean you have to say no to chili dogs forever. Because they do have these great, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of smart dogs, but tofu pups are great, too. But what you can do is, you know, you go ahead and grill up your grill up your hot dog, mm-hmm. and then you can get one of these vegan chilies that are on the market. So a couple of brands, Amy's Organics makes one, McDougal makes one. I think actually Hormel has a vegetarian chili. It says vegetarian, it's vegan. So put that on there. And there's also this great recipe. I believe the blog is Homo Ah, <laughs> see?
0: I see what they did there. But
3: they make a great cashew-based vegan queso. Well... They made the recipe. You make the queso, but it's really good if you put that on chili on top of a on top of a smart dog or a tofu pup. So tasty.
0: Man. Bring no, it. This is, this is disgusting, but you're talking about a chili and cheese dog. That reminds me of going to 7-Eleven growing up when I was still really overweight and getting the big bite and putting that nasty chili oh, and that nasty cheese the on The glowy,
3: it. like, plasticky cheese yeah, sauce. Yeah. And no, honestly, this is actually good for you. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> thinking back to it, I never felt good after eating oh, that. Oh,
3: no. Uh, yeah. You couldn't.
0: No. How could you? Mm-mm. It's just impossible. Um, so that's that's good to know. But I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that that doesn't sound necessarily like it's low in calories and low in fat.
3: Well, okay. So the chili actually is because most of these chilies are fat free. So they're very low in fat. And actually the Smart Dogs and the Tofu Pups also very low in fat. The queso is a little higher in fat. It's made, I think, one batch is made with like half a cup of cashews. Mm-hmm. And then there's salsa in there that gets all blended in. So if you're just doing a drizzle of the queso – It's actually not bad in terms of calories and fat. Yep. I know.
0: I know. Interesting. Yep. Well, you just proved me wrong.
3: And no added oils. The Mm. only oil comes from the cashews.
0: Uh, Whole wheat bun in this case?
3: Always. Always. Come on. Yeah. What do I look like? I'm a dietician. Hot dogs. And what goes with the hot dog? Hamburger. Oh, I was like, sides, fixins? What do you want from me here?
0: No, 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 no. Um <laughs> Yeah, burgers. I mean, I think that when people get introduced to plant based dieting, one of the things that they find is that there are a million and one veggie burgers. There out really there. are. It is ridiculous Like you could dedicate <laughs> a whole aisle in the grocery store yeah. just to various veggie burgers. Pretty
3: much. I think Wegmans may have actually done that. Really? There are just so many.
0: There, there are, yeah. Uh, Wegman's, uh, Whole Foods. I mean, Trader oh, Whole chose Foods. Yeah. Them. I mean, yeah. Th- it's just ridiculous how many yep. there are. Whatever your pleasure. Uh, I like the black bean ones myself, but I know that you've you've come up with a whole bunch here that you can throw um, on the grill. And, and let, let's start with this. I did not know this until you and I started hashing out this segment. Mm-hmm. You can actually grill the veggie burger. Yeah. Like grill it, grill it.
3: Right. Like on your grill, like on the grill grate. Yeah. Yeah. How? You didn't know this? No,
0: <gasps> like Chuck. I, I was like, you can do it on the stove, do it in the microwave, well, yeah. you yeah, put it in the oven, sure, like, but I never thought that the grill.
3: Yeah. Now there are some caveats with that. Yes, So please. the the store bought the frozen ones tend mm-hmm. to do much better. Some of the homemade recipes do not hold together as well. So if you want to put some of these homemade burgers on the grill, a lot of recipes online, you'll need to use like a, like an extra grill pan. Right. But I have one for you that actually does not require an extra grill pan that will hold together homemade on the grill itself, like right on those grill grades. Do tell. All right. So this is actually a recipe from Minimalist Baker, and it's a little higher in fat. Again, I will, I confess, but (laughs) it's a holiday, and that fat is coming predominantly from walnuts, so it's coming from a healthier source. Get a little bit of omega-3s in there, and it's just a really nice, solid burger that will hold together for the grilling process, and there are a couple of tips to actually make. Grilling veggie burgers overall easier, particularly okay. the ones you get from the store. Right. You want to hear about that?
0: By all means.
3: Okay. So, this is actually, again, you mentioned research. These tips are actually brought to you by the testers at Consumer Reports, one of my favorite organizations.
0: How great would it be a, to be a tester? I for know.
3: This? Again, life goals. But for right now, <laughs> doing the dietitian thing. So, here are their tips for making sure that you get the perfect veggie burger. Uh-huh. So first is you don't have to thaw them. So that's extra convenient because you've got, you know, 15 people in your backyard for a barbecue. You don't want to sit around and have to like, is this thawed enough? Is this the right place? Nope. You just grab them from the freezer, put them straight on the grill. But before you put them on that grill, you want to make sure you preheat it and clean it. So once you – actually, it's better to clean it after you've heated it. I don't know if you've Yes, this. that much I know. Yes. So, yeah, let it preheat on – we're talking about medium, medium-high heat here – Let it preheat for 10 minutes, take that wire brush, scrub down that grill, and then the frozen burgers can go straight on there. Hmm. So pretty handy. And then you want to make sure you only turn them once during the process because that can minimize any of the sort of tearing or falling apart. So, but when you get done with that, you get the nice grill marks, you get some browning, a little caramelization that really brings the flavors out. So you end up with a really great product at the end.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And uh, as one of the things that Dr. Niebuhr and I were discussing uh, during his segment a little bit earlier in the show is that with plant-based foods, uh, unlike the grilled meat, uh, there is not that risk of, uh, of developing cancer. That stuff is not there.
3: Yeah, no, none of the sort of HCAs, that sort of thing, the sort of heterocyclic amines. The scarier thing. Don't forget that you the can PAHs find. and the and the PAHs, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. The two points Aced for it. you. Yeah,
0: yes, you did. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious. I, I want to go back to that that homemade uh, walnut burger that you were talking about. Yeah, you have the recipe for that. I want to put that up on the website.
3: Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. And this is this is true confession. I have not actually tried this burger, but my brother who has. Four kids, and their family is, is not vegan by any stretch, but all of his kids love this burger. And these mm-hmm. are kids that eat, you know, a lot of the standard American foods. So, you know, I think that's a pretty, a pretty resounding endorsement.
0: Uh, well, let's be picky here for a second. What is your let's personal favorite veggie burger? Do you have one?
3: Ooh, for grilling, I want to say the Amy's Sonoma Burger. Okay. It's a little bit higher in fat. I think it's like five grams in a patty, so I try to stick to just one. But it's actually a mushroom base, so it's got this really great savory kind of flavor going on. Um, For everyday use, I like the Engine 2. They have a Tuscan kale and white bean burger
0: i need to try that one i've not had that one
3: and i will say that burger itself is not hugely flavorful but that's what i like because it's like one of, it's like a palette you can just put whatever you want on it so i do the whole standard you know mustard ketchup lettuce tomato onions pickle slices oh my gosh
0: and you're it just in so heaven. So good, so good. Have you had the Amy's black bean burger? That is my favorite.
3: I actually haven't because you mentioned that, and now I'm gonna have to go try it.
0: It's it's got a little bit of a kick to it. I think that how they how much a, kick are we talking? Just, just a little. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's not going to burn your mouth. It's okay. not hot sauce okay, by good. any stretch. Okay, Okay, because yeah.
3: I mean I'm a it's a little bit of a whim.
0: No, 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 no. This <laughs> it's, it's it's nothing like that. It's okay. just a, a little bit, but it's got such a good flavor overall huh. and it sticks together. It's it's a heartier burger.
3: Interesting. Yeah. All right.
0: So that that's is on a, the
3: two try list. Yeah,
0: and uh, by the way, we are not being paid to give those endorsements. No, we are not. <laughs> um there's also the the Beyond Meat Beast burger. What is that?
3: Yeah, so that's not a health food, but if you have guests who are really wanting that kind of like meaty texture and flavor, This will give them that. Again, it's got lots of added oil. It's pretty high in sodium. So, I mean, it does taste good, but it's definitely got sort of like a meatier kind of texture and vibe to it.
0: I think I've seen that in the stores, and it actually looks like ground beef. It's it's pink.
3: Well, there's a different one that actually, like, bleeds, and I can't say I've – I mean, Mm. it's like – it's plant-based, but I th- I can't say I've tried that one. That's weird. I have tried I have tried the beast burger. It's pretty okay. good, and the beast burger is right in the freezer section, so I know how to I know how to deal with that.
0: <laughs> um, mushrooms, man, you you, you get your portobello's. Those things are oh yeah, great, easy. H- how would you do do up the portobello?
3: So honestly, I like to keep the flavors really simple starting out because again, I like to load up with fixins. So I'm not really about having the burger like be the absolute flavor centerpiece. Right. So, you can actually just so it's best if you don't rinse wash them, you just wipe them down because again, they're going to go on a grill. So all those germs are going to go out the window. Now that I did not know. So, it's not critical. You can rinse them off too, but what they'll do is they'll soak up a little bit of that water and so they're not going to cook up as as beautifully. They're not going to brown quite the same way or if you want to marinate them and you've rinsed them first, then they're going to have water in place of what should be the flavorful marinade. So that's why if you ever see a recipe that says just to wipe down mushrooms, that's what it is. Honestly, I rinse like button mushrooms most of the time. But since portobellas have this big flat surface, they're easy to wipe off. And I like to scrape out the gills too. So for me, I'm like, well, I'm not going to bother washing it. But also you're not eating it raw. You're right. cooking it. So
0: Do you even bother seasoning that up if you're going to go that route?
3: Honestly for the grill I don't typically but we definitely like there's a great recipe on Physicians Committee's website pcrm.org and we can put that in the show notes it has this nice balsamic kind of you know marinade that you start out with and it sounds really good. I like a balsamic marinated portobello that someone else makes for me but for myself I'm also a little bit lazy. I'll just hit it with some cooking spray and a little salt and put it on the grill. Is
0: that one from the 21-day kickstart program?
3: <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think I've tried that. It's yeah.
3: pretty tasty. Mm-hmm. Not going
0: to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um Barbecue grilled tofu. Now explain this one because obviously you have the tofu dogs, but it seems like you're you're talking about something a little bit different here.
3: Okay, full disclosure, I have not tried this, but I've looked online. This is where the research came in because I, I was just wondering. I'm like, well, I wonder, can you grill tofu? Because I know you can do pretty much anything to tofu. It's one of those magical foods. It becomes <laughs> literally anything you can think of. It's a you know, it's a scrambled egg. Like it's some sort of like a. Chicken food, chicken nuggets, whatever you want it to be. So turns out, yes, you can grill tofu, but you have to make sure you have the extra firm, firm, extra firm variety. Pat it completely dry. You can do that whole – have you ever tried pressing tofu between two plates to get the extra liquid out? I've heard it. haven't done it. Okay. Well, yeah, you can put it between two plates and put a book on the top plate, and it squeezes out the liquid. A better method I've seen is just to cut it in whatever size of, like – you know, I will to say slab, a slab that yeah. you're going to put on the grill and then just pat it dry to get mm. the extra liquid out. And then you can marinate it beforehand so it soaks up again, some really interesting flavors. And the nice thing of tofu, it soaks up whatever you put on it and then pop it on the grill. And the key on the grill, though, is to make sure your grill's really clean. Again, you're doing the preheating thing to season the grill with oil. And again, it's not really going to go on the food. It's just to make the grates a little bit nonstick. Right. And then you put it over low, slow heat for like ten minutes per side. Apparently, that is the trick to getting it crispy and brown and a little bit more of a hearty texture versus just a browned outside and a soft inside.
0: Low and slow. That carried over to uh, right? to the vegan diet. Yeah, I always heard about that with the traditional grilling stuff.
3: Oh, interesting. Low
0: and slow. Yep. Well, that's how you lock in the flavor. Same
3: for tofu, apparently. All right. Who knew?
0: Interesting. Yep. Learn something new every day. Yep. I want to talk about the thing that gets me most excited, and this is something that I've really done my whole life, long before I adopted the plant-based diet full time, and that is roasting fruits and oh, vegetables on the grill. So good. I'm telling. So good. Like Lee. One of my favorite things in the summer, would my mom would take us to the beach, Virginia Beach. We were living in Tidewater. And on the way home, there was this farmer's stand, and we would always stop and get fresh corn.
3: Oh, it's so good in the summer. It
0: was the world's best
3: ever. And the sooner it comes out of the field, oh, the better, sweeter. Oh, Oh, yay.
0: And then you bring it home. Now I'm hungry. You bring it home, (laughs) you fire up the grill, and it is good.
3: Now, question. Did you do it in the husk or did you shuck it and put it straight on the grill?
0: These got shucked. Okay. Now, I understand that you you can leave it in said husk.
3: Yes. All
0: right. Talk to me what what's the flavor difference there?
3: So if you leave it in the husk, it's it's like you boil it or steam it, but it's sweeter because it all stays right there, you know, in the corn. So this is my this is my husband's preferred method for doing corn on the grill. So you just you basically just put it in the husk. I think you might actually soak it first. Don't quote me on that. This I think is, you
0: do, okay. to be honest.
3: Yeah, so otherwise the silks don't like catch on fire correct little details right. um but it basically just steams right there in the husk and then you peel it and put whatever you want on it honestly with sweet summer corn i don't put anything on it at all do no, it's you don't need so it. good yeah so good yeah so but i do i do also very much appreciate when you you know if you shuck it put it straight on the grill let it get some little bit of charring a little yeah. bit of a little bit of that browning so tasty oh it's the best yep
0: i mean really we, we should just stop recording i was like and go and we're downstairs done. Mic drop. and take care of yes. it, uh right now um You have on here something called Quick Hawaiian Veggie Kebabs.
3: Oh, so easy. These are so easy. These are something that I I can honestly just make this and be done. But I know if you're having people over, you have to do more. But basically, so you're going to use skewers. You can have metal ones, or if you have the bamboo ones, you do need, speaking of soaking things, you yes. need to soak them so they don't catch on fire. Learn yes. that lesson. Oh, really? Is there oh, a story there?
0: That, I mean, it's not a good one. <laughs> it's like the the skewer burned and so did the food. Ew. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much all there is to it.
3: Not so tasty. No.
0: So Soak the skewer. Okay, soak yeah.
3: Skewer. Soak your skewers. You heard a here. Public service announcement. That's right. Okay. BSA. The more you so- know. <laughs> that's right. So, basically, it couldn't be any simpler. You're going to get some sweet bell pepper, whatever color you like. The green looks really pretty. Red onions. Now, if you don't like to have a little bit of that onion kick, you can steam them in the microwave Mm. first. But you're just going to cut them into sort of wedges. And then you're going to do chunks of pineapple and you just thread that onto skewers and you brush it with like a sweet barbecue sauce. So I like sweet baby rays, but whatever kind, you know, makes you happy, go for that. Brush it with that, pop it on the grill on medium high heat, let it go for, I don't even remember how many minutes I always just kind of eyeball it. I think right. five or six minutes, you know, per side, turn it over, brush it with more barbecue sauce and let it go for another five or six minutes. Super tasty.
0: Um, w- Hmm.
3: And you can also, if you want to make that into the entree, you can put some cubes of that dried off tofu on there too, and just treat it the same way with everything else. At which just point it becomes like a
0: chicken kebab. Quote exactly. Yeah. Yes. I used to do those quite a bit. I want to go back to what I—I I am not a big onion fan. <gasps> I make n- no bones about it. Do what? not enjoy the onion. <gasps> but what even you, cooked.
3: What, Nice. Caramelized? Uh, raw, okay.
0: caramelized, Okay, more steamed. for me. It's all but good. <laughs> you said something that kind of piqued my interest. I did not know that steaming them, before, steaming the onion beforehand kind of kills the flavor a little it bit. It doesn't kill don't.
3: the f- – it's not going to make it not taste like an onion. It's just going to not have it hit you with that sort of like almost horseradish heat that you can get from a raw onion sometimes. Mm. So – or you can just use a sweet onion like a Vidalia onion, that sort right. of thing. But it's not as pretty as a red onion. So. No, no. Yeah.
0: Uh, Fun fact, after I had my surgery, there was like a two month window where I did enjoy onions. And really? And that went away.
3: Two months. Two months. Huh.
0: It was, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what. put why. them in salads and, you know, have them on the side. Like, it was great. And then it was like.
3: And we're done. <laughs> the switch yep. flipped.
0: Done with the onions. You
3: know, who knows, right?
0: Um, One of the things that Dr. Niebuhr and I touched on earlier, and I had no idea that this was even a thing, was Hmm. grilling watermelon.
3: Yeah. Now, you talk about not liking onions. I'm not – I know people – some people swear by it, but ah, to me, I just feel like watermelon is supposed to be cool and crisp, and that's the deal. So grilling it, just – I don't know did not hit me right.
0: So, uh, what what other fruits then would you recommend?
3: Oh man, it's not quite peach season yet, but once it's peach season, peaches and plums both do beautifully. You mm. can just cut them in half, take out the pit, and put them straight onto the grill. I mean, you might spray them with a little bit of cooking spray if you think they might stick, but so tasty because the sugars in there kind of caramelize on the surface. And then I think we actually have a recipe we can include in the show notes for a balsamic um, like glaze that goes over the top right. of those. Oh, grilled peaches! Another fun one is to do a grilled banana boat. Talk to yes. me. Yes. Okay. So this is a fun one. I actually did this for the first time, I think, with friends. and It was in high school. And what you do is you take like a square of aluminum foil and you kind of wrap it around. Well, we have this convenient and lovely banana here. So we're just going to use, gonna use this. I'm still not sure why we've got these. <laughs> because they
0: bring color to the podcast. <sighs>
3: okay. So we're going to, yeah, we're bringing color to the podcast. What you do is you're going to like wrap a little square of foil just so you hold it you know, so that it's not going to tip over because you're sure. going to put cool stuff inside it. And then it's smiling, so this makes me – I don't know if you can see this. <laughs> it makes me a little savage. You slice it right down the center lengthwise, but not all the way through. Right. Just like a half inch in there. And then you kind of s- split it open a little bit, sprinkle it with cinnamon, and then if you're being extra decadent, you can put some of those little mini dairy-free chocolate chips in there. You don't have to, but you can. I'm just saying. And then you just put it, you know, face up on the grill in its little – you know, foil boat for about five minutes until the banana softens and those little chocolate chips melt. Holy moly, it's so good.
0: Really? So good.
3: Now, I was pondering as I was, you know, remembering this. I was like, I wonder if you then scooped banana nice cream onto it and you'd get like an all banana sundae. That might be too much banana. Mm. I don't know. We'll have to have someone out there, you know, test um, it out and I,
0: find out. I'll tell you what, my wife would volunteer happily for that.
3: <laughs> there we go. She does have.
0: She'll have, have to a sweet report to... back. No, I'm. I'm going to try that. I had no idea that you could even do dessert on the grill. Oh yeah. Like who knew? Absolutely. It was like you know my my sweet thing on the grill really kind of stopped with pineapple. I do oh, love some grilled pineapple. I'm telling
3: though. you, and also oh on a veggie burger, grill up some pineapple rings. Did I that I mentioned. that? So no, good. It's I so good. Even thought about that. It's so tasty. Okay, yeah. w-
0: would you pair that with uh, with the mushroom or oh you. Can do that okay
3: yeah again i i love barbecue sauce with pineapples i'd probably do like a little barbecue sauce with that maybe just some real thin slices of avocado again special occasion right um yeah but any really you can't go wrong no. we don't like onions so i was about to say ooh, a little red onion but mm-hmm. no. Ruin ooh, no ruin it no of course not yes grilled <laughs> pineapple on a veggie burger Two what thumbs were up. you
0: thinking all right so uh we're going to take all of this information we're going to put it up uh on pcrm.org slash podcast and bottom line is this so if you're grilling this summer and you have people coming over who aren't vegan, fear not. You can prepare things that are just out of this world, Truth. that aren't hamburgers, that aren't hot dogs, that isn't chicken.
3: That are better than all of those things.
0: Absolutely. You can't tell me that... Uh, red peppers. Oh, grilled red peppers. so good. I mean, so good. it's it's unbelievable how great some of this food is. And... You can go the traditional route with the tofu dogs and the veggie burgers. You know, you are just, again a wealth of information, and that's Lee, why I love having on <laughs> well, the thank, show.
3: Well, thank you, Chuck. Yeah, It's all about the research, man.
0: Veggie-Quest.com is her website. Uh, that's also your Twitter handle and, uh, and your gram, if I'm not mistaken. Uh,
3: yeah, I believe so. And also, there's a great Memorial Day whole menu. It's got some grilling things and some not grilling things on PCRM.org. That's so we right. can link that too, right?
0: Look at you uh, with the plug plug. There we go. All right. <laughs> Lee Crosby, registered dietitian up at the Barnard Medical Center. By the way, you And uh, if you're in the D.C. area or just feel like traveling, you can come, call the Barnard Medical Center, make an appointment, and sit down with Lee. She'll give you some grilling tips and and (laughs) help you with your diet overall. I know that uh, you have helped a number of people um, close to me in my life. And I am, in all honesty, sincerely in your debt. Oh, well, thank you. you, Jeff. And if you don't know, now you know that you can have a delicious plant-based cookout that is sure to please the entire family and all of your friends. You can schedule an appointment to visit with Dr. Niebuhr or Lee at the Barnard Medical Center for independent one-on-one consultations. All you need to do to make an appointment is log on to BarnardMedicalCenter.com. Be sure to subscribe to the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee on iTunes or get it from Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you like to get your shows from. All we ask is that you also leave us a five-star rating and a good review so that as many people as possible can hear the show and learn about the power of plant-based nutrition. Dr. Neil Barnard back on the program next week. But for now, I'm the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening.